back to the Nutramedical Report, we have the amazing uh, Ann Morrison. And the more I interact with Ann and do these videos with her, the more I'm amazed at the breadth of her scientific knowledge and their ability to kind of teach with pictures and videos and other things. So, Ann, uh, twiland.info is a very important part of uh, what we do here to try to inform people on science. And honestly, if you check the blogosphere and the Internet and the videos and the, everything from Amazon to whatever, I think that uh, your research and the presentations we put together on video and these shows, Hour 2 on Friday, are unmatched. I don't think anybody in the science channels, whatever, deals honestly and seriously with these issues better than what you do. Well, thank you, Dr. Deagle. I really appreciate that comment. Yeah, yeah, you, you're, you're pretty damned amazing, actually. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let's, let's talk about it. I've got both the HTML and the DocX documents. Which one should I open up, do you think? Oh, the HTML. There you well, go. I have open. That's good. Now, let, let's talk about this. What's the first issue you wanted to discuss? Because it always seems we're dealing now with uh, either Zika or H7N9V. And these guys are uh, literally happening as we speak. They're not something like the future thing that might happen down the road. They're in the process of evolving and expanding and mutating or changing. What's going on with these guys? Well, there's a lot of things that are changing, and uh, some of it is tied to uh, <clears throat> climate change, and some of it is tied to terrorism, and some of it is tied to ISIS. We are living on the cusp of the new age, and it scares me sometimes. I was just reading an article that will be on next week's newscast <clears throat> about changing the food that we eat, the, the grains to a different basis, and it has to do with photosynthesis, and I just can't believe that people would even try to do that, but they are, so, uh, you know, our whole world is changing. I want to talk just briefly of that that fire in Atlanta, Georgia, that uh, broke the I-85 northbound lanes. Uh, It just collapsed them. Right. And uh, apparently those were, uh, they're saying they were PVC pipes. That's polyvinyl chloride. Right. And we've all seen these white pipes. And they were uh, stored under the overpass. And uh, somehow they caught fire. And uh, so I'm sure that the federal officials will find out exactly how that happened and, and who was responsible We have to remember that uh, PVC is flammable, as are most of our plastics. And if you're wearing uh, plastic clothing, (laughs) if you're wearing polyester, uh, if it catches fire, uh, you will be severely burned. Yeah, in fact, I work in a burn unit, and the worst thing I've ever seen was uh, plastic or or basically these polyester clothes adhering in, in deep second-degree burns to people's tissue. It was gross trying to deep them. It's unbelievable. Yes. And uh, so just remember that uh, if you see, if you, if you see something, say something. If you see a bunch of <laughs> PVC pipes laying around in, a, in an auspicious place, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. uh, just, just think they may be planted there for uh, some nefarious purpose that so, was a uh, that was really bad to read about that yeah I saw the, the photos of the fire it was mind boggling mm-hmm. remember now these bridges have got steel rebar and concrete 
So imagine how hot it must have been to actually cause the bridge to literally crack up and literally... And they got everybody off the uh, overpass. Thank God nobody got hurt. But that just tells you that your so-called modern society and even your bridge work and so on isn't very stable. One of the things that I people that I do whenever I drive to L.A., which is about an hour and 20, an hour 30 minutes away, it's about an hour, 55 minutes to uh, Disneyland from where I live in Vista. But there's a lot of these really flying overpasses. And none of these are actually certified to withstand even a 7.5 earthquake. So if you've got a big earthquake, and then what's interesting here in, in the West is earthquakes will propagate about 25 miles, causing devastating destruction. So I tell people, live at least 50 miles from any major fault zone, whether it's the San Jacinto, which is down south here, or the San Andreas. Do not live within 25 miles of a major fault zone, because when those guys decide to go, overpasses, gas lines, everything's going to blow. And one of the worst is the fact we're not doing ground-penetrating radar to look at our gas lines. Most of them are like our, uh, our nuclear reactors. I call them post-geriatric, which means if you're going to a senior home, these are the people that are not in wheelchairs. They're basically being shoved around in gurneys or on striker beds. Where you know They're not just normal, even semi-mobile, able to get out of a, of a wheelchair and then go to the bathroom. No, no. You've got to understand these pipelines and these nuclear reactors and everything are really, really dangerously unstable. And none of this uh, fancy bridge work and overpasses in California could withstand even a moderately severe earthquake. None of them. Yeah, well, um, it's good to live away from nuclear power plants and earthquake zones and and uh, everything that we know is dangerous. In fact, they even will send you a map that shows where natural gas pipelines run close yeah. to you. Joe Giles Cousin has his books out about this, whether, you know, live upwind in nuclear reactors, don't live near fault lines, live outside big cities. If you actually take all these constraints, it narrows it down considerably as to what places in America are actually safe to even be. But those same principles can be applied anywhere else in Canada or England or or even over in what we call Apocalypse Island, which I joke with my friend Jonathan Gray because he lives down there. Uh, and all these Silicon Valley people are buying $10 million estates down there, like Peter Thiel, uh, who owns, I think, one of the guys that started, I think it was a Google. And uh, he wants to run for governor here in California, but he, he built a $10 million facility down in the North Island of New Zealand that we call it Apocalypse Island. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So, and the people down there know that because you got all these rich Americans coming down saying, we're freaked out, we're getting out. And they're not necessarily Democrats. There's wealthy Republicans doing it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think the word's getting out there. And uh, yeah. I know John gets calls all the time. John Moore gets calls all the time about... <coughs> yeah, he, oh, he's I'm like so the sorry. resident Earth Changes expert, uh, John. Yeah. Yes, he is. Uh, John yeah. Moore, yeah. Yeah, he's been at the, we've he, got to get him back on the program to talk about it because a lot of people don't think these things are going to happen. I'm thinking, no, the passage of the Nibiru was proven last year to the chagrin of NASA and NOAA that the attic have a large millimeter array reactivated, which is a worldwide gravitonic array uh, of international scientists, and they identified that the dwarf star is passing out in the Oort cloud, which is 0.73 light years out, and it's sending gravity waves that are driving the sun crazy and the inner nuclear reactors inside every planet crazy, and it's affecting our solar and galactic weather. So people need to be aware that's really happening. Uh, well, you know, <coughs> go ahead. last last week we passed the uh, the uh, equinox, the vernal 
equinox, and uh, it started on uh, the 20th of March, and then the 21st of March was when was our first full day, which was in the uh, north of the equator. And uh, I had said, I think at that time on the show, that we could expect seismic activity. Right. <laughs> well, we did get seismic activity. We got um, uh, three, let's see, we had 19 volcanoes active last week, and this week we had 23. So we had four more active volcanoes, and um, uh, we have new volcanic, volcanic activity on seven of them. And uh, but we all know about them except the Cambodian, uh, that's in southern Kamchatka, and it was dormant for over 250 years, and then it it just blew, it blew out an ash cloud that that airplanes had to uh, maneuver around. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I put together a theory which I've talked about over the last six months on what triggers off earthquakes, and it's based on Steve Jacobs and his colleagues' research at Northwestern University. And what they discover is the primary uh, thing that drives earthquakes and volcanoes is nascent oxygen and hydrogen released from the mantle four to 600 uh, kilometers down or, or nearer, or the transoceanic area where the, you know, the, the, the ocean literally dives into the continental plates and then over hundreds of thousands of millions of years releases water that actually lowers the melting point of magma. And when that melting point drop, uh, drops, it creates magma that drives earthquakes and volcanoes. Well, it turns out that gravity waves hit the unstable nuclei of ringwoodite and release nascent oxygen and hydrogen, which is about 1% of the mass of these rocks. And all the oceans underneath the Earth are 10 times larger than all the water and all the oceans and lakes in the hydrosphere above the planet. So our earthquakes are literally driven during these times by several things, including the alignment of planets, which lenses gravity waves from deep space, and the passage, like John Morris found, the passage of the Dwarf stars actually lensing uh, gravity waves, and if there's planetary alignment, it causes major things like around the equinox that increases the release of ringwoodite, that increases the formation of magma that causes earthquakes and volcanoes. So you can predict planetary alignments, uh, equinoxes, and other things that create lensing effects, or even uh, you know things like solar uh, and and lunar. Eclipses could be a factor as well. So anything that can lens gravity waves can increase ringwoodite release of nascent oxygen and hydrogen and cause magma that can trigger earthquakes and volcanoes. There's a, a straightforward chain of events that occurs there. Yes, well, we saw it this last week. We saw the, yeah. <clears throat> you know, this was the week after the uh, equinox, and uh, we even had uh, volcanic ash alerts from... Uh, uh, four different volcanoes, uh, Mount Dokono in Indonesia, uh, Pyachevskoy in Russia, and we had two alerts from them, uh, Mount Kambalny, <laughs> the new one in Russia, and then uh, Mount Sabanke in Peru. And, right, and of uh, course, recently we had Mount Etna in Italy where... I saw the video on BBC News last week where these people walking around thinking it was fine and it was blind, flowing literally flaming rocks of magma at them. Somebody got blasted right in the head or tore their clothes or melted their garments. It was mind-boggling to see people dragging away other people hitting the head and literally it was part of their body on fire, pulling them away from this area of Mount Etna. It's like, 
they should have known that this is really dangerous because pyroplastic explosions occur around these things. It's not just the gaseous clouds. And you can't run away from these things fast enough. When that cloud is moving and at several hundred degrees in temperature with ash, ash cloud moving at that speed, I don't care if you're a gazelle, you're not going to outrun it. <laughs> and, oh, that's uh, right. That's right. Yeah. And the good movie to watch is uh, Super Volcano. It's put out by Discovery. And it's about uh, Yellowstone erupting. And uh, you see some really nice pyroclastic uh, images there where somebody's driving a pickup and trying to get away from it. And there's just, yeah, you, you know, it travels about, so fast. You heard about the Weather Channel people, right? How they uh, recently got killed. A couple of Weather Channel people that have been recently on the Weather Channel. Oh, yeah, they were uh, storm chasers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're... <laughs> That's not quite the same thing as being a geologist and standing where you think yeah. you're safe from a blow-up from Mount St. Helens and <laughs> being hit by the plume that uh, came out the side. I mean, you know, yeah. this, geology is more an art than a science. Yeah. And uh, sometimes the main vent gets plugged up, right. and the pressure has to go someplace, and if it's out the side of the moon, that's where it'll go. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And by the way, with these uh, with these uh, tornadoes, I came up with a technology about uh, three or four years ago that actually would neutralize them. And I'll, I want you to, to get your feedback on this. Uh, if you look at it, you see, have you ever been down to, I went to Lawton, Oklahoma years ago, uh, looking at a job maybe 25 years ago. And it was a really good place, great people, great hospital. But I got stopped by one of these green kind of, you know, clouds. And it's the weirdest thing. You're driving along and all of a sudden you're in a cloud. And it's kind of yep. greeny, so it's, like, it's really, really still. There's no yep. air movement. It's like weird. And you realize the cloud starts to roll over on itself, and then it spins and becomes vertical. Now, that's all dependent on plasma physics. And if we have what's called uh, Tesla cannons, we hit, hit it with a, a plasma or blast the pl- plasma, it would break up those little spinning vortices that become tornadoes, tornadic. Uh, because they actually suck in energy and build themselves up by sucking in that energy from the surrounding uh, air masses. Uh, and so that you get really tiny, you know, dirt devils instead of a giant uh, volcanic spinning energy vortex. And uh, if we had several things, firstly, every so many miles you should have Doppler radar across the Midwest, we call Volcano Alley. The Doppler radar would warn these people that are storm chasers, hey, there's almost one on top of you. And then if we had these... Uh, Tesla uh, plasma cannons, they could hit these uh, things as they are forming and ready to go vertical and would blast them into little tiny you know, dirt devils, which would dissipate the energy. The problem is if you dissipate the energy, they don't start to suck in more and get even bigger and nastier. And if they get big enough, they do a thing called dead man walking. Have you ever seen one? And I saw, saw one when I was down there. It's the scariest damn thing. The tornadoes, you make two or three of them, and they start spinning around each other. And it looks like, if you're looking at a distance, and the natives called, were the one that coined this, uh, you could actually, it looks like something walking across the plains, where it almost looks like legs moving. It's the weirdest damn thing you ever saw. Yeah, they showed that on the Weather Channel one time, and you're right. It, it's, it, it's creepy, because it does look like dead man walking. And that's a native so, term, apparently. These native people yeah. are a lot smarter than we ever give them credit for. And they knew where... They, they also knew there were places they call, I, I, I use the term bad juju, but there's, a, I'm sure, a native term for it where whatever language you talk about, they knew that there's places that it's more likely 
to trigger off bad, you would call storm tracks of volcanoes. And areas where if you're there, you're likely to be in big trouble. So I think the natives probably knew the land better than we do. Oh, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure they, because that was their uh, great spirit or whatever they call it. They paid yeah. attention to what was going on. Oh, in yeah, the, they did. In, in fact, there's all the stars in the sky, too, like, not like us, and they, they know them like their best friend. Uh, let's go through some of the other stuff. We've got Zika. We've got uh, invasive weeds. We've got radiation. we got lots of stuff. Do you, we got a couple minutes left in this segment, uh, three or four minutes. Um, well, we had 36 cases of Zika in Missouri, and that's uh, from 2015 through the 22nd of March this year. So it's still spreading, and uh, they say they're all travel-related. And I say, yeah, right. Uh, some of them was probably sexually uh, transmitted, and I don't think they're counting the sexually transmitted cases as uh, locally acquired. I think they're... Saying so they're travel related. Would you say they're scientifically either sloppy or they're just lying, <laughs> or both? I'm not sure what's going on. There's something going on. They should have declared Zika and put it on the sexually transmitted disease, the STD list, because doctors know what to do with diseases that are on the STD list, and uh, they didn't. So, now, why, why do you think they they're doing this? Because there's obviously a geopolitical. There's a political reason why they don't want to say that. Because obviously, you can get bit by a mosquito if you go to places in Brazil or other places in Central South America and get bitten. But why would they not put it on the STD list? I mean, the other diseases are on the sexual transmitted list. Why Zika isn't? What What do you think it is? Well, they didn't put HIV on the STD list, and we know that's sexually transmitted. In fact, that's the only way you can get it. <laughs> and they just. Um, it's political. I, you know, the politicians are making the calls. And, uh, you know, it's expensive if you have to follow this thing. Just, you know, I guess they just think that um, people who die will die. And, of course, now they've come out and said that the Zika uh, can, can cause heart failure. Wow. Um, that is really, you know, that's significant. And... I, you know, I really can't say I'm not in public health, and um, I don't know anybody who is. Well, it also and tells it me that maybe the part of the reason why there's a 400% increase in heart failure versus any other form of heart disease, maybe mm-hmm. many of these heart failure cases are not just due to hypertension or diabetes. Maybe there's an infective cause that we're completely missing. It's now endemic in the community, whatever it is, whether it's a fungus like Candida auris or it's a a Zika virus, which is a stealth infection that's inside the cell, it doesn't even produce a strong external immune reaction. But this might be instructive to say, hey, maybe our heart failure patients, a percentage of them, maybe the majority, are actually infected with something. It's community acquired. Mm, yeah, maybe it's a community acquired heart failure. Wouldn't that be weird? That would be scary. Yeah. Same fatality rate, by the way, as stage four cancer if you get terminal heart failure. Same rate of death. Well, the study they did, nobody survived. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what I mean. <laughs> be right back. It doesn't have to be that way. Transform them into a fresh, healthy, usable one with the technologically advanced wave moisture control units. 
The computerized operation maximizes moisture control and also expels harmful radon, combustion gases, and numerous other pollutants. Dehumidifiers are old technology that do nothing for air quality and waste energy. Wave units are intelligent, self-monitoring, do not need maintenance, and will save you hundreds in electricity. Wave units are still running effectively over 15 years. They've been tested and installed in public and military housing and by property managers nationwide. Buy a unit now, and if your home is not fresher and drier, you can return it for a full refund for up to 12 months. What have you got to lose? Call now. 1-888-618-WAVE. 1-888-618-WAVE. Or visit MyDryHome.com. That's MyDryHome.com. Wave Home Solutions for a healthy, comfortable home. Would odors, mold, and mildew describe your basement or crawl space? It doesn't have to be that way. Transform them into a fresh, healthy, usable one with the technologically advanced Wave Moisture Control Units. The computerized operation maximizes moisture control and also expels harmful radon, combustion gases, and numerous other pollutants. Dehumidifiers are old technology that do nothing for air quality and waste energy. Wave units are intelligent, self-monitoring, do not need maintenance, and will save you hundreds in electricity. Wave units are still running a effectively over 15 years. They've been tested and installed in public and military housing and by property managers nationwide. Buy a unit now and if your home is not fresher and drier, you can return it for a full refund for up to 12 months. What have you got to lose? Call now. 1-888-618-WAVE. 1-888-618-WAVE. Or visit MyDryHome.com. That's MyDryHome.com. Wave Home Solutions for a healthy, comfortable home. If your home has hard water, then it's likely that LimeScale is clogging your pipes, damaging your appliances, costing you hundreds of dollars each year. You can eliminate LimeScale in the entire house with HydroCare products available at Wave Home Solutions. Easy and efficient with no maintenance, no salts, no chemicals, and no coils. And you can buy with confidence from Wave Home Solutions. Performance guaranteed. Just go to bestwater411.com. That's bestwater411.com. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. What's the next topic? Well, <clears throat> we've also found Zika in Dallas County, Texas, which 
contains Dallas as a county seat. And Dallas is a huge metropolitan area. <clears throat> but again, they're looking for the mosquito instead of looking at other ways that you can catch Zika, right. such as uh, sexually, or through saliva, or tears, or coughing, or sneezing, or uh, uh, just picking it up off of surfaces that have already been contaminated, because Zika will last as long as it's moist, and then it will dry up. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, as long as they just look for the mosquitoes, and they're talking about using one of those Oxitech Franken mosquitoes there, and, you know, you just can't talk. You just cannot talk the local health officials out of what doing what they think needs to be done. <laughs> They've had the authority to make these decisions for a long time, and once they make up their mind, they just, you know, they, they don't count the number of dead. They just uh, count the number of mosquitoes. <laughs> and I don't yeah. need to laugh. It's just that I get so... Frustrated, I have to laugh or I'd cry. No, I heard something that we talked about months ago that the Zika virus uh, prefers a type of mosquito, at least in South America, that can exist in a drop of water, let's say even in a plant in the window. It doesn't have to have a large supply in order for the mosquito that's the primary carrier. So here in America, that's the reality in Florida where a lot of the mosquitoes are not the ones that are going to be wiped out by either toxic spraying of pesticides. Uh, or they're going to interact with the type of mosquitoes that are going to be carrying this Oxitec 513A gene. And uh, the problem is it's gene plague, so these intrexon uh, uh, genes are jumping genes that can actually jump into plants, animals, humans, because it's a double-stranded DNA. It's not an RNA thing. The DNA then changes the oxidative stress in the host, and that's why I think this the virus got weaponized, which is only 15 base pairs out of 10,000 according to the pre- and post-Zika uh, virus um, transformation that occurred back in 1947 when they first discovered it, it, it suggests to me that what they've done is create a weaponizing platform for not just Zika or this RNA virus, but any pathogen where the host gets a higher rate of free radicals increases the risk of transforming a pathogen into a more pathogenic form. They first discovered this back in the 1960s when they were doing weaponizing research in Baton Rouge, Louisiana with cyclotrons, and they discovered if you irradiate a host, let's say a, a, a ferret, that uh, the pathogen inside the ferret becomes weaponized. So if you pass it through 10 different ferrets, one after the other sequentially, and keep blasting it with high-energy uh, you know, cobalt-60, you can actually transform without even ever kind of messing around genetically with the organism, and you can weaponize it. So just increasing the oxidative stress, apparently according to RNA viruses, they mutate uh, 10,000 times faster under oxidative stress than DNA viruses. So RNA are particularly sensitive to this kind of manipulation. Yeah, there was a line that came out of that movie, Contagion. <clears throat> he says... Uh, we don't have to worry about bird flu being weaponized. The birds are doing that. <laughs> and he, he was right. You know, they pass it back and forth among each other. And if they are carrying another, another uh, <clears throat> virus of some kind in, in their bodies and the two viruses come together in one cell, you're going to get, get some pieces of both of them. And, well, well, uh, well, what I'm saying is a little different. I'm saying that if the Oxitec gene jumps... Because it can jump to more than one chromosome, it can increase the oxidative stress of 
ni- of peroxy nitrate and hydroperoxy radicals, and just by doing that increases the rate of internal mutation of the virus inside the, pa- the carrier host. So that as we induce this gene plague, we actually increase the weaponizing platform in the environment. Well, we know that it was relatively benign. Relatively benign. Relatively benign before this uh, transformation occurred, right? Relatively benign until it got to French Polynesia. Right. And something happened to it in French Polynesia. Now, I think that they were doing weapons testing down in that part of the ocean. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. I think and that you, it You mean nuclear weapons. In- yeah. You're, you're absolutely correct, by the way. Yeah, I think it got affected by the uh, by the radiation that was that was left after they did the testing, well, and uh, then it migrated into Brazil. And we let me give you a, let me give you a quote. When I worked in South in, in Georgia, we took care of the Savannah River plant, that is the largest nuclear plant making plutonium detonators for our nuclear warheads. And one of the scientists quoted me that when he would go to French Polynesia, he had to put on a full rad suit because it was so radioactive if you went outside the number of cyberts of radiation would cook you in an hour. And we're yeah. talking about visiting the island after 70 years after they're playing around with doing nuclear explosions. And by the way, these explosions were before Nagasaki and Hiroshima in the 1940s. They were doing really dirty bomb explosions, not only there on the islands, but also trying to create tsunamis with nukes. So, yeah. yeah, this is really scary stuff, and you have to understand their bombs are so damn dirty, the plutonium and the other radioactive waste, these islands are uninhabitable permanently. Well, there were some people there, and they know that they were coming down with microcephaly and also with, uh, oh, that ascending um, paralysis, Gillian Barre yeah, right, syndrome. Yeah, yeah. And so that happened in French Polynesia. Before that, there, it was practically benign. Right. But once it got to French Polynesia, uh, of course, you know, it's a big area, and it covers a lot of the ocean, so there are people who live there. And they also found it in livestock. Wow. Now, I, yeah. want, to talk, I want to talk about the 16 um, uh, nuclear sites that we watch. Uh, 16 of them. Wow. That are of concern. 16, that's a big number today. We'll be back in a minute with Ann Morrison. Twiland.info coming back. 16 sites, that's a lot. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party 
property and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not, or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. End time is not what you thought. In their new book, 122436, authors Mike and Cheryl Gilmore bring forth a startling new idea on the beginning of humankind, how life begins on Earth, and when our Creator concludes this age. In the book, 122436, three small groups of individuals, separated by thousands of miles, discover together the answers to the beginning of our universe and all the life it contains. Mike Gilmore is the author of five Levels of Power novels and the Sled Investigation series. Cheryl Gilmore is current state director in South Carolina for MUFON and brings a lifetime of experience with UFOs and related fields. As a team, their new book about life in the near future on Earth sets aside most people's religious and scientific Sites of concern for Radcon. By the way, this is not Radcon in America. Where is it, uh, Anne? This is around Fukushima, and I need to know what happened in Fukushima this last week. Because all of a sudden we have 16 radiation detectors, and these are gamma radiation detectors. So these are the bad ones that will damage your DNA, will give you cancer, uh, will kill you, and... Uh, and uh, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these these uh, gamma ray detectors uh, got into the Radcon Four uh, area, and there's only one higher, which is Radcon Five. And Radcon Four is of concern and watch, and they're all around Fukushima, Japan. Uh, I, I can tell you the things that would cause that and in some of your analysis is, but it means the corium got together. It's almost like if you look at this as a lava lamp and they had corium from the various reactors, they either agglomerated together or combined to create greater what's called critical reactions, hypercritical reactions. And uh, not only that's happened, but they create superheated steam with also radioactive tritium, which they generate. And it's either escaped through the rocks, which, by the way, they just detected radiation in the tunnels in northern Tokyo, even within months afterward in northern Tokyo in the tube trains, uh, which means it was getting 20, 30, 40 kilometers away from Fukushima all the way to north Tokyo and their fancy tube train system. And then it's either burped up through the ground or it's actually emerged through steam tubes out in the ocean floor and then bubbled up through the ocean. So it, my guess is that the corium's gotten together. 
And the problem is that they never use the proper muon detectors or ground penetrating radar or anything to block what's called a corium agglomeration, which I recommended a hyperosmolar uh, uh, boronated water and a resonation uh, hyperresonator to actually form a rapid crystal to block the neutron flux, because that would have stopped us from not only agglomerating together to create the supercriticality, because they could have nuclear explosions underground or what's called uh, hydrothermal explosions, where basically they have explosions of tritiated hydro- water and hydrogen that actually can burp these radiation burps to the either the ground or through these steam tubes or literally through steam tubes that look like the ones from the big island in Hawaii where the magma creates magma tubes out to the ocean floor miles out and you go out there if you're a diver and you say, oh my gosh, look at this in a little mini sub and you can see steam coming miles away from the big island through the ocean floor because the steam tubes carried all the way from the big island through magma tubes. So that's what's happening. My guess, things are just getting a hell of a lot worse, and they didn't contain it. They didn't build a seawall. They haven't put Kevlar spider silk tents over each of these building sites. They haven't stopped the hypercriticality occurring. And if you fly over Fukushima, if you're a pilot, within 25 to 50 miles, you'll see blue light spikes coming out of the ground into the sky miles up because that's actually a neutron flux hitting the nitrogen atoms, especially at sundown. And it looks like you're at a light show at the Coliseum in Los Angeles, where they have that open coliseum, where you're releasing a laser show because it's like a Star Wars, you know, or a rock rock group about to come on the stage. It's really crazy stuff. Well, I, you know, I look at this weekly, and they publish it daily, but I had no idea. Like you said, normally I show the United States, but that doesn't mean I don't look at Japan. It just means that I don't usually find any problems in Japan. Right. And uh, it happened that when I looked at this yesterday, uh, there were no problems in the United States, but here Japan has 16 different uh, measurement, gamma ray measurement instruments that are showing a, a concern because they have a, uh, a current level that is above the average, and if not the high, then close to the high uh, level. And uh, so this is really scary, Dr. Bill, and I think we need to uh, keep our, well, we need to think about what we're going to do uh, to track this problem. Maybe you can talk to Chris sometime, you think? You talking about Chris Harris? Yeah. Yeah, I did talk to him last week. And I'm trying to get him to bond. He's working in the nuclear navy, and I'll try to see if I can get him back on and talk about it. He said he hadn't been doing a lot of research. Uh, I've been doing quite a bit of work because I presented a few weeks ago on uh, on uh, Block Talk Radio and breaking down the walls. Uh, the thing that I find most disturbing is when you or I, like whether it's public health or present something to actually remediate or technically deal with the engineering side or the public health side of this. I guarantee you, no one's doing, you know genetic swab tests to look for heterochromatin uh, DNA changes or micronuclei. You can actually do a test of the public simply swabbing their mouths and looking for micronuclei around their, their saliva cells on their scanning electron microscopy. And the best single measure of whether or not you're getting the DNA scrambled is the presence of micronuclei around your cells. That's the best mm. sine qua non. Now the problem is Nobody's testing not only radionuclei. For example, when I talked to William Ray a month ago, head of the Dallas Environmental Clinic, they do test radiotoxins, and he says he can tell you if you're on the left, on the on the uh, western or eastern side of the Rocky Mountains, because we're getting more radiation 
uh, on the west side of the Rocky Mountains than on the east because of the blocking effects of radiation coming in from Japan. Now, we're in the tailpipe of Japan, and we're now into the sixth year. So what's going on is catastrophic. And if you look at the Bible, it says that, And I saw a great mountain fall into the ocean, and a third of the oceans were poisoned and turned red like blood uh, with wormwood. Now, the word wormwood in Russian is Chernobyl. And the first major catastrophic accident, which, by the way, is still bubbling and boiling, and they have to re uh, turn it into a, a sarcophagus again, a concrete sarcophagus for that, that uh, uh, basically Chernobyl. That Chernobyl, which is a graphite type nuclear reactor. They, that mass is still continuing, but it's a tiny fraction of the amount. This is thousands of times more than Three Mile Island or Chernobyl, and the entire Pacific Ocean is being poisoned by it. And people didn't know there's dead zones there where the radiotoxins have destroyed a lot of the life. Within three months, there were tuna being picked off San Diego that were showing enormous levels of radiotoxins in their bodies. And the Chinese will not accept from Canada, the United States, or Baja California any filter feeders like scallops or whatever uh, because they know they're going to be filtering and concentrating radiotoxins along the coastal areas. So when people just pretend that this isn't a problem now, they think so we're on the coast, we're getting blasted with radiation. And my detector's in our bedroom. I've got one outside my study, too, that's a very sensitive one for gamma. And most of the airborne radiation is at twenty six to 30,000 feet. So when I flew back and forth over the years to Portland to visit my son, we lived up there, uh, the radiation detector would only go off usually within uh, a couple hundred miles of Portland, but only when I got up to between twenty six and 30,000 feet. So we have various layers where the radiation is coming in. We have surface water layers, we've got deep oceanic layers, and we've got air mass layers where it's up pretty high in altitude by the time it gets to North America, but it comes down in rain, and you've warned people they need to start you know, thinking about having their boots and their raincoats and so on outside because if it's raining in Missouri, and you, if you knew that there was a radiation plume that aircraft went through and they actually sampled the air masses and said, hey, we're getting a high count here, and we're actually going to concentrate the air and look at a nuclear magnetic resonance fingerprint of the isotopes present in the air over this plume coming over, let's say, Missouri. We would actually say, hey, there's a danger now. Look at this map. Don't go outside in the rain, or if you do go outside, wear you know a, a special masks, like a NIOSH mask, and take your raincoats off outside before you go in because you're going to track, track in these isotopes. Because a lot of people aren't taking that seriously, and the government doesn't want to freak people out because it's all the support companies for TEPCO, which is just an umbrella company, are American. And ever since this happened during the Obama administration, they've completely ignored the idea of it, and the government's purposely suppressed it, including senators. When I contacted Senator Feinstein in California, Senator Wyden now five years ago, they absolutely turfed me off to their pseudoscientist idiots and wouldn't answer any of my questions. And when I challenged them and asked a series of questions, I realized these people don't want to know the truth and they want to suppress it. You really think they want to suppress it? Yes. Why would they do that? They want to suppress it because they don't think they have solutions to fix it and they don't want to freak out the public. And they realize the political uh, cost is so high that they don't want to face that reality. And remember, politics always comes first, despite it might might destroy a future generation of humans or precipitate early disease. For example, I've known for decades, because I was an expert in radiotoxicology and a member of ACOM, 
that uh, there are zones around every nuclear reactor in America, you know, 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 kilometers, where small fertility babies, Alzheimer's disease, heart disease, a number of what we call marker illnesses are directly related to the distance from any nuclear reactor in the United States. They all give off radiation. They're all leaking uh, tritium, which is a DNA intercalator that slides your codon basis one base pair. They all cause gamma damage to your to break chromosomes. And you have repair mechanisms, but if those repair mechanisms are are weakened, because one in two hundred are radiosensitive and one in two hundred people are radio resistant, which means they can tolerate higher levels of radiation than the average. But you know, once you have a constant trick, trick, trickle over decades. Uh, you increase the chances of genetic mutation. You increase the chances, of, especially of mitochondrial DNA damage, which is 30 times more likely. And mitochondrial damage is very nasty because if these abnormal mitochondria reproduce, especially in germ cell lines, they pass on from one generation to another, and they can effectively make future generations sterile or seriously mentally deficient because if your mitochondria don't work, your astrocytes in your brain don't work. Interesting, eh? Well, okay. Yeah, all those things we talked about back then, uh, putting plastic over your garden when it rains mm-hmm. and uh, making sure that the rainwater washes off your land <clears throat> if you're trying to grow things right. are, are all good things to do. But, uh, you know, it just it gets into the water. And then uh, we talked about um, we talked about that U.K. reactor last week, I think. Yeah. in uh, Sellafield, right. where the wind is blowing these radionuclides and uh, forming forming places where your child uh, can be irradiated with, uh, <laughs> what did they say, uh, 320,000 counts per second wow. <laughs> of radiation. So, uh, and I'm sure that's occurring around every nuclear power plant here in the United States, too. And everywhere. And the Chinese know this. That's why they want to move toward nuclear fusion reactors. And they're talking about the idea of having a moon project to mine helium-3 because they're aware that we have uh, Class 1, Tier 1 science hidden projects to actually mine helium-3 and use it as fusion reactor fuel. So... um, this Radcon stuff, it, it gets just more and more scary, and the fact that they're ignoring it. And, uh, you know, some people think, well, Dr. Deagle's not nice. I don't want the word of Dr. Deagle nice to be ever used together. I'm compassionate, I'm brave. Sometimes I pontificate and I cut people off, which I repent of. But I'm always concerned about protecting. I'm a very, I'm like the protective lion, like the male lion protecting the whole cubs and the female lions if there's something really bad outside. But I can tell you, unfortunately, most of either the scientists either gutless or they just don't understand this, and they're not raising the issues. And I even ask, I'm begging for abuse. I want scientific abuse from people that are qualified to say, Deagle, you're full of it, and this is technically why you're full of it. Don't just use a hominem attack and say, he's nuts, or he's unqualified, or he doesn't know I am qualified, and what's disturbing is I want my abuse. I'm begging for it. I want somebody like Michelle Kaku to call me up or call the studio or even email me afterward or send me a, a note saying, I heard your webcast and your radio show, and you're totally wrong for this and this reason. Or, hey, I have an alternative solution. I don't even get my abuse. Where the hell is it? You know why? You know why? They're afraid of the political consequences or the scientific consequences to their colleagues 
or God knows what. The group that, for example, the Mishukaku belongs to, there's 40,000 nuclear scientists and technicians that are involved in North America and internationally. Just that one organization, and not a one of them, has even dared challenge even one of the ideas we have to mitigate the radiation from Fukushima or monitored here in North America. And when I contacted the senators, I got no response to try to put radiation detectors in all the aircraft and do real-time uh, mapping so the public could log onto a website and actually see where these radiation plumes were over their town or city. So they could decide, hey, you know, don't go out in the rain today, dear, or wear your rain hat and leave it outside. I mean, this is disturbing, isn't it? It is very disturbing. Um, you know, we're, we're built on the Declaration of Independence, and that means that life, life is important. It should be important to the government. The government should not be killing us. And uh, that's what well, I'm the, saying. They're an impediment. And when, when I talk to them, what Feinstein and Wyden did in Oregon, is they just turfed me off to their young, quote, qualified uh, nuclear scientists or technicians, and when I asked them questions, they wouldn't pass the first level of the questions of a master's degree or even an honors degree in their area of scientific endeavor. I would fire their butt out the door and say, go onto an arts area if you have art talent, but don't try to pretend you'll ever be a scientist. It's well, that's, that's partly because of the social structure that has evolved in the United States over the past 200 years. There's the yeah. haves and there's the have-nots. And if you don't have the right background, credentials, you're not going anyplace. Well, it's not that. I have the credentials. The problem is they won't even challenge me. When I was in the medical profession, I realize now, and I'm 65, that most of the stuff I got taught in medical school and residency is plain BS. I mean, whether it's dealing with heart disease, cancer. I went in 1977 to the director of oncology at the Vancouver General, which is the second largest hospital complex. And I said to the director... I killed a bunch of people today because I'm, you know, my personality is I'm a pain in the ass. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, I gave him chemo. And I said, I got a hangnail here that hasn't healed in two months because I got Donna Rubison on it, damn it. I said, I'm a young athlete. I'm you know, running five, ten miles a day and ideal weight. And I said, uh, I give them chemo and they hadn't eaten a good meal in three weeks. So, you know, where their nutrition is crappy. I could call back to the ward and they go from coarse V-fib to fine V-fib. It doesn't matter if I burn the hairs in their chest. They're not coming back. I don't get one of these people that arrests after I give them chemo coming back. Why don't we think differently about what cancer is and give me give them hyperalimentation or nutrition? He looked at me like I was like from Mars. Now I know I refer to people like our nutraceutical line to block cancer, which we have, and uh, Brzezinski Clinic uses genetic testing like at Cambridge, Massachusetts for the genetics of the cancer. But these dinosaurs are still around, and they're persecuting my colleagues like Dr. Brzezinski, and we supported his legal lawsuits against the Texas State Medical Board for decades now, and finally the FDA are doing studies with him the last 10 years. But we sued them. We had to sue the government, too, in order to be able to keep his clinic open. And I put money into it, okay? So you got to understand the government is part of the problem.
We are the American Freedom Party. This is the most urgent time in the history of Western civilization. In the year 1900, white people of European descent comprised 35% of the world population. Today it is less than 9% and falling fast. Europe is being overrun with Middle Eastern immigrants, and America's founding stock is rapidly being replaced with third world peoples from around the globe. For the last 50 years, every influential institution in this nation, our schools and universities, our media, our churches and our employers, have promoted policies and principles that teach whites to be ashamed of their great heritage and birthright. We, who in the 1950s, the 1960s, and 1970s were the world's dominant force, are now so afraid of being called racist that we were quailing towards irrelevance and extinction. Join the American Freedom Party today. Reach us at theamericanfreedomparty.us or call us at 701-317-5317. Paid for by the American Freedom Party. Do you know what's in your body soap? Well, I didn't know the answer until about five years ago when I looked at the label of my soap and was shocked to see all the chemicals. For my entire life, I had been assaulting the largest organ of my body, my skin, and to think my children were using it too. Well, a lot has changed since then. Today, my family and I operate Stone City Farms, where we make and sell all natural goat milk soap using fresh goat milk from goats we raise on our farm. Our mission at Stone City Farm is to produce high-quality, all-natural goat milk soap for people who want a fresh, unrefined, natural product. At Stone City Farms, we offer scented and unscented soaps and a signature line of gift sets customizable to your needs. To see what our customers are saying, go to StoneCityFarm.com. Use the code NATURAL for a 20% discount. That's StoneCityFarm.com. Code NATURAL for 20% off your order. You never know what could be hiding in your soap. Imagine a pill that can improve your focus, your memory, your sleep. A catalyst to improve your brain chemistry. Dr. Bill's Cognition Plus is truly the smarter in an hour pill. A combination of amino acids, trace minerals, and B vitamins, Cognition Plus is made with specialized herbal extracts that will enhance and support brain function. Our customers say, I feel more focused. My memory's getting better. I can work longer with more useful hours. Power up your neurotransmitters that have been depleted, like dopamine and norepinephrine. Simulate the release of others, like serotonin and oxytocin. Improve circulation and energy production. Protect your mind and your loved ones today. Order Dr. Bill Deagle's Cognition Plus at 888-212-8871 or go online to NutriMedical.com. That's 888-212-8871 or NutriMedical.com. This is Dr. Bill Deagle of the NutriMedical Report, 12 to 3, Monday to Friday. Call-ins are welcome to the show. You can order at 888-212-8871 or NutriMedical.com. Yeah, I was out of touch. But it wasn't because I didn't know when 
But uh, and we haven't touched on the weather predictions about the Arctic ozone layers, the jet stream for a while, and the solar wind uh, auroras and things like that. And uh, we did talk a bit about seismic activity, which is increasing around the world recently. But uh, what would you like to cover uh, in this last segment? Well, they have an article out, and it's a report that has been looking at the ozone hole uh, uh, from uh, 2000 until 2015. And they say that the ozone layer shrank uh, by more than 4 million square kilometers. and that's in the journal Science. And uh, they did find, of course, everybody knows that the ozone hole opened up again in 2015, which was a year ago. Right. And uh, and uh, so, and I, I had some questions about this. I'm just going to throw it out to the listeners. They're claiming that in 2015 the ozone hole reached a record size. But they think that the spike in ozone depletion was due primarily to the eruption of the Chilean volcano, Calbuco. And, um, you know, this is the first time that we've got a statement out of these scientists uh-huh. that, that <laughs> stratospheric, I don't even know what you call them, stratospheric scientists, right. that uh, volcanoism is implicated in the destruction of the ozone layer in the stratosphere. Do you think it was due to nitric oxide or other volcanic chemicals or due to microash particles? What do what do they posit as a trigger for that in the upper troposphere of that happening? They don't posit anything. They just say... Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, ta- I talked to Chris Harris over since Fukushima Daiichi, and there's three different reasons. For example, when the Ayakafuku volcano went off in, in Iceland uh, years ago, uh, it caused a, an ozone hole to occur, and it has one of the highest concentrations of fluoride in their volcanic ash, and these volcanic ash things will not only chew up the veins of a jet engine in a matter of hours, so that literally the plane can literally flame up and call, fall from the sky, but it also, Fukushima Daiichi released radiotoxins that directly massively chew up the ozone layer. So this big burp that you saw, that you reported here earlier, of radiation in these detectors in Japan, we might also see a giant hole in the ozone layer appear because of those radiotoxins are degrading the upper atmosphere. The other thing is these volcanoes are releasing toxic uh, chemicals uh, like nitric oxide. And nitric oxide is really bad for the ozone layer. So wouldn't surprise me if there's a particulate factor, a chemical factor, and a radiotoxic factor. Uh, that's inducing this. So, Anne, we'll, well, we need- we'll do a follow-up on this probably Monday or Tuesday afternoon. Support uh, info. Support us here at Nutramedical. We'll get all your wellness needs here at Nutramedical. You get free advice and free consults. It's only when we have to look at medical records. I charge you my time. It's our ministry to give you the truth. And we're coming up with the host with the most here now, Michelle, with the firing line and... Uh, trying to help you with your health and wellness questions. Thank you, everybody, and back in just a moment with Hour 3 for Friday, the last day of March, in just a minute.
Would odors, mold, and mildew describe your basement or crawl space? Oh, it doesn't have to be that way. Transform them into a fresh, healthy, usable one with the technologically advanced Wave Moisture Control Units. The computerized operation maximizes moisture control and also expels harmful radon, combustion gases, and numerous other pollutants. Dehumidifiers are old technology that do nothing for air quality and waste energy. Wave units are intelligent, self-monitoring, do not need maintenance, and will save you hundreds in electricity. Wave units are still running effectively over 15 years. They've been tested and installed in public and military housing and by property managers nationwide. Buy a unit now, and if your home is not fresher and drier, you can return it for a full refund for up to 12 months. What have you got to lose? Call now. 1-888-618-WAVE. 1-888-618-WAVE. Or visit MyDryHome.com. That's MyDryHome.com. Home Solutions for a healthy, comfortable home. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 